We're social beings. We tend to not care what someone thinks until we know how much they care. So really, we, we need that connection. It's important to realize that the best that people have to offer work, they only give voluntarily. Again, we can hire someone's head and hands, but if you want their resourcefulness, their dedication, their true engagement, their loyalty, then you have to earn it. And that comes through showing that we care about one another. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's safety talk. And I'm excited to give this presentation. I've got some real gold for you here today. And like Mike said, this not only will help drive safety, but it's all backed by science to drive performance as well. So I don't want to waste time. I want to get right into the goodness. There was once a college professor from a uh, really prestigious university, and he wanted to catch up with several of his students. So he had him out to his house one Sunday afternoon, and his driveway was full of Beamers and Lexus and Mercedes. And he had some very successful students, and he wanted to hear how they were doing in life. So he's sitting back and just enjoying the conversation and listening to them talk about all their successes, you know, all their accolades or accomplishments, their nice summer homes and travels and all the things that they've accomplished. But with time, it kind of changed tones and they started talking about, you know, all the anxiety and stress and health issues and all the trouble just trying to keep up with all the demands they had. And the professor goes, you know, I'm going to go get us some coffee. So he disappears and he comes back with a tray with a coffee pot and several coffee cups. Sitting it down on the coffee table, he tells them to help themselves. And after everyone's got their cup of coffee, he points to the tray and goes, now, you may have noticed that on that tray were all different types of coffee cups. Some were very fancy and you could tell expensive. Others were quite cheap and common. And I noticed that all of you took great care in choosing the cup that you wanted, pointing out that all the cheap and common cups were still there on the tray. He goes, now, let me point out to you, first of all, that that cup is not going to enhance the flavor of that coffee in any way whatsoever. You're all drinking the same coffee. Because those cups represent the things you were talking about at first. Those represent your successes, your fancy titles and reputation and, you know, fancy office and all these things you've accomplished. But the coffee represents fulfillment, the joy of life, why you do what you do. Don't get so hung up on the success that you miss the joy that is your life. You know, it's okay to be successful, pick a nice cup, but remember, it's all about the coffee. Again, he was teaching his students about values. We need good values. They're compass, they drive what we do and how and why we do things. So do you value kindness? Do you value people? Are you focused on the coffee or are you focused on the cup? The cup represents extrinsic. The coffee is the intrinsic. We've got to have things in the right order if we're really going to connect and resonate with people. I love a quote from John Maxwell, you know, many can communicate, but few connect. Kindness is the ultimate connector. And when you can tell that someone isn't kind to you, they're indifferent, it disconnects us. We're social beings. We tend to not care what someone thinks until we know how much they care. So really, we, we need that connection. It's important to realize that the best that people have to offer work they only give voluntarily. Again, we can hire someone's head and hands, but if you want their resourcefulness, their dedication, their true engagement, their loyalty, then you have to earn it. And that comes through showing that we care about one another. Again, it's difficult to be kind to ourselves if we're not kind to others. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit too, that, you know, really 
kindness on the outside, gentleness and kindness on the outside show strength of character on the inside, that we're confident in who we are as people. You know, moment to moment, we are often driven by feelings, impulses, and emotions. And those guide our behaviors. And then that kind of dictates who we are in life. Well, when you embrace your values and have a good sense of purpose and know who you want to be as a person, then that reverses itself. You decide the type of person you want to be. And then that dictates your actions and that guides your feelings, emotions, and everything else. So it gives you control. Kindness is a prerequisite really to everything. I want to kind of encapsulate this, you know, in the the practicality and the science of, of kindness and the real world application. You know, I want you to walk away from this presentation, not only understanding it, but how you can apply it today, you know, immediately. So how are we doing in this country you know, with regards to safety? You know, I got the information up here. I'll let you read it. We've all, as safety professionals, seen this information countless times from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You know, all in all, in the United States, we have between 13 and 14 work-related deaths every day. So we, we still have a long way to go when it comes to really driving safety. Here's a fun fact for you. No football coach in history has ever had to convince his team to want to win a game. All players want to win the game. Safety is no different. People don't want to get hurt, but they want to be successful at what they do. So that football coach has to really just do two things. He's got to equip, well, actually three things, equip the players, support them, and celebrate their success. Let them know that, you know, they're the stars. Safety is the exact same way. We equip the people, the workers. We provide the support through our programs. Then we celebrate success. It's a very human thing. Okay, we talked about how difficult it is to drive uh, safety, and it really goes deeper into you know who we are as, as humans. We want to be successful, but we're risk takers. I mean, it's in our DNA. That's not going to change. We're always going to be risk takers. But what we want to do is train people to take the right type of risk. If our ancestors had to bring down a woolly mammoth versus starving to death, that's exactly what they did. And you fast forward to today, and we're really not a whole lot better off. We still tend to run towards danger, not away from it. And, you know, our hobbies are that way. We watch movies where, you know, the, the hero charges into the burning building to rescue the person, you know, charges up the hill to, 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 to combat the other soldiers. You know, it's always the David versus Goliath. We value courage. We, we value that, you know, charge it. And again, as kids were raised this way, if you played high school football, your coach never told you to get out there and play safe. You, know, you heard things like blood makes the grass grow. Uh, people respect scars. And weakness or pain is just weakness leaving the body. If you got hurt, you were told to walk it off. Again, we honor the soldier with the, uh, the purple heart. You know, We love the athlete that gets hurt but stays in the game. Really, if there's intelligent life out there, they stay away from Earth because they think we're nuts. They just want us to stay on the planet and not infect the rest of the galaxy. Now, this thing about performance, we're all performance driven. So we got conflicting metrics from the get go. We're risk takers. So that guy was on the side of taking the risk and we want to be successful at what we do. So it doesn't matter if you work in a restaurant, a warehouse, construction, manufacturing, you're paid to do a job. If you do it well, and remember, you're, you're being really measured against other employees. If you're one of the top ones, you can ask for raises. You've got you know, pride. You can walk around with your head held high. You're known as that person that can get her done. So again, safety kind of takes a backseat. So the safety thing really does take a lot of effort. 
You know, we've got those three things called the motivational triad that dictate most of what we do. And I'll tell you up front, none of those bode well when it comes to safety. First one, the pursuit of rewards. That's getting that job done. You know, if we're giving a, a performance goal and we hit it, man, I am good. I'm all that is man or woman. You know, that avoidance of pain. You know, you think maybe that would help us when it comes to safety, but not really. Because let's talk about emotional pain, not physical pain. Again, we don't want to be the person that, you know, emotionally is crushed because we didn't achieve that goal. We want to be shown that, you know, we can, we can get the brass ring. We can get done what we've been paid to do. So that, and we also, on the other hand, we've cheated safety many times, probably in our personal lives and got away with it. You know, we've rode the motorcycle without the helmet, driven the car without the seatbelt, stood on top of the ladder to reach for something. We've done these things. And, and it also kind of makes sense that we don't want to be afraid of getting hurt all the time. When I got out of bed this morning, I broke my record for the most days I've spent on this planet without dying. I'm pretty good at this living thing. What are the odds that's going to change? But then I go back to that fact of 13 to 14 work-related deaths every day in this country. Again, we've got kind of a false perspective on our own security. And then that conservation of energy. You know, safety requires extra effort. We all battle laziness. I remember one study showed that, you know, we all battle laziness, but you know, one out of every three people are really losing that battle. So if you look at the two people closest to you, if they seem pretty energized, it's probably you. Now, I've seen cultures where performance is so valued over safety that you were even mocked if you took the time to do things safely. So again, dangerous behavior can be normalized and become part of the culture. Now, I would be remiss if we didn't kind of look at the state of the world right now, because this is a, a huge factor as well. What's the anxiety level and the state of mind of employees when they show up at work? We live in a world that can seem really negative and dangerous. You know, approximately 90% of all media news feeds are negative. I think I worked for almost three years for a radio station. And remember, these are for-profit businesses. So they're attracting viewers, listeners, because they can charge more for advertising. So they're going to pick those topics that get the most attention. But if you, you know, buy into, which is right, the 80-20 rule where you know 20% of your effort brings about 80% of your results, then it goes to reason that you know 80% of the problems in the world are be, being created by 20% of the population, which means really we live in a better world than the media would let you to think onto. And think about it with yourselves. Most of the people I meet through the course of my day are pretty good people you know, that I enjoy visiting with and talking to. There are far more good people in the world than bad, but we can leverage this negativity just because the world is that way doesn't mean our work culture has to be that way. Indeed, if we can create a work culture that's life affirming where people get along, we can have people loving to escape the world by coming to work and just enjoying being in that environment. That's what we really want. We'll talk about that a, a little bit more here in a few minutes. There's actually a pattern for safety that cannot be denied and it really needs to be followed if you want true successful safety. And that's emotional, professional, and physical. And here's why. Again, like that emotional triad, we're risk takers, remember that. So again, I will take physical risks to protect myself emotionally. If I come to work for you and you treat me like you don't care about me as a person, I sense that you're indifferent. You're really, you know, I'm more of a function than an actual person. You know, when you tell me to work safe, I'm not going to believe it. I'll probably take risks physically, again, to pr protect myself emotionally. Professionally, same way. If I think that you don't care about me as an employee, that uh, you'd gladly replace me tomorrow, you 
don't care if I'm successful at the business or not, because you got someone else that you know that you can hire to take my position. Then again, I will take physical risk if I need that job, thinking that's what I need to do. But if you establish emotional and professional safety, then you'll have your employees take the right types of risks. That's when they'll raise the flag going, oh, you know, this is dangerous or, hey, we need to stop this line or we need to address this issue. Again, we're risk takers. But what we want is people to take emotional and professional risks over physical risks. When it comes to leadership, which is simply influence, remember, safety leadership, all leadership, it's, it's positional. It's not, or it's not positional, it's, it's situational. In other words, just because someone's a manager doesn't make them a leader. Anyone with influence can lead. And I've often been in environments where I see the strongest leader is not the person with the highest level of authority. There are three questions people are always asking before they follow someone. And that's that, do they like me? Can I trust them? And will they help me? There's a couple of slides on here that are really true gold for the science, not only safety, but everything else in, in terms of performance. And this is one of those. If you read uh, Start With Why from Simon Sinek and you're aware of the golden circle, this is along that line. This is really grounded in, in um, psychology and physiology, not in, in philosophy or some you know, feel-good idea we have. The human brain and an expanded team are really, in many respects, the exact same thing. So you have a good functional team. It is truly an expanded brain. If you look at the brain, when it comes to the thought process, we're talking about brain cells, neurons. And it's like they've always told us, it's not how many you have, it's how many you're actually using. Now, in a team, you know, the, well, the, if we go back to the brain, you know, the purpose of those neurons is to store and share information. So in our teams, it's people that are storing and sharing information. So, you know, if you go back to the brain, the connection, uh, the communication between the neurons is used through synapse. That's uh, that electrical impulse, so that synaptic activity. And the more communication you have between neurons, the stronger that gets um, where you, you really learn things really well and it becomes intuitive. So for people, it's called communication. Again, with neurons, the more they fire together, the stronger they wire together. With people, the more they effectively communicate with each other, they develop relationships, friendships. Again, that is so powerful. There have been studies that show that employees that have good friendships at work are not only uh, more performance oriented, they enjoy their jobs and they're more likely to stay there. There's less absenteeism and, and less turnover. So we want those good relationships. And finally, dendrites. So if you look at the brain where there's a lot of synaptic activity, Something's called dendrites form out, which are like roots from a tree reaching out to connect with roots of other trees. So as you have a lot of uh, neural impulses in one region of the brain, again, you form dendrites. Now, with people, that's called collaboration. It happens through our reputation. It's like, man, have you met Mike? You need to get him on your team. This guy really knows his stuff, and he's just great to work with. Have you met Sarah? Wow, she's a real go-getter, very intuitive at the top of her field, good at her game. Again, bring her onto your team. She'll really help drive it forward. Now, if that's not enough in terms of similarities, when we act this way with our teams and we're working that way, the chemicals in their individual brains release dopamine, adrenaline, oxytocin, serotonin. So isn't that funny that independently our brain is rewarding us for working well with others? And cortisol, which is that, that bad hormone, which causes fight or flight and anxiety and you know, tension, <clears throat> is actually lowered. So we remove it. So there's 
a type of structure we really want in the work environment. Um, what do you think of this, this comment? Would you rather be right or would you rather be kind? First of all, I heard that, I thought, you know, I know they want me to say kind, but I'm kind of thinking right. But the reality is we make several decisions through the course of any day, and some of them are going to be wrong. I'm sorry, there's never been a perfect person. You're not going to be the first. We all make mistakes. But the reality is the better we are at being kind, which is an option, we can try to be kind all the time. And we create those relationships where people know that we care about them. Then you know what? You can be wrong and enjoy it. I'm on a mistake learner's high right now. I, I make lots of mistakes, but I have people, luckily, that look out for me because I practice kindness. Again, you can enjoy making a mistake and having someone pointing it out. And you learn something. And let's face it, you know, people are laughing at us anyway. We might as well join the crowd and laugh at ourselves anyway. So again, it's better to be kind, learn, embrace our mistakes, and grow as a person. Um, there are three phases of life that we all go through. We're dependent. You know, again, you were cared for as a child or you wouldn't be you know, watching this uh, presentation. Then the purpose of every parent, you know, really is to get their children to become independent where we can take care of ourselves, which is denoted by our ability to pay for our Netflix account. And then the final stage, which to be honest, some people never get to is interdependent. That's where we realize that, you know, we are collaborators with others. You know, our success really rallies on that. I sit right now in a house I didn't build, wearing clothes I didn't make, using you know, water I didn't clean, I food I didn't grow. We are interdependent. We need to rely on each other. So how we get along with each other is really, truly important. For people that belong to a team, a tribe, a group, there are only two core benefits. And really good, strong leaders, when they look at their team, they see the individuals, they understand those benefits. And that's really protection and amplification of effort. If we feel safe and protected, you know, it's not a gossipy, backstabbing environment, then we can go all in and protect the others around us and truly amplify efforts. Let me ask you a question. You can throw this into the chat. Okay, I want you to think of a time, and it could be, you know, uh, I want you to think of a time where you were around a group of people. It's kind of like the TV series Friends, and it could be with your family, a work group, a team of friends, a sport team you're a part of, but think of a time where when you're around those people, you know, you could truly be yourself. You could let your hair down. You didn't have to put on ears. You could let them see the worst of you. And you know you were totally accepted. If you've had a time like that, just throw yes into the chat. And um, Mike or, you know, one of you guys can kind of let me know uh, if we got much in there. But usually, you know, we've all had that experience. I can think of a few times, some work environments I was at where it was truly that type of environment, where you just love going there. It was like a family. Are, are we getting much there? Yeah, so we're getting some yeses. Yes, yes, yep, yes. Whenever senior management is not present, usually, yes. <laughs> so yeah, you get a lot of yeses. Awesome. That is really your goal for your work environment. And why not? You know, uh, if we're going to be doing something, that performance, working around each other, then we might as well create an environment that is fun and life-affirming. So let's do a quick recap. We've already covered quite a lot. Okay, so it, it's very challenging to, to keep people safe. We saw how we're all risk takers to begin with. We live in a world that can seem quite negative, so people can be showing up kind of in, in a state of anxiety. Withholding kindness lets people know that we're, we're kind of indifferent to them. Kindness is a great connector. 
So, you know, kindness is that pre prerequisite for sustainable safety, you know, and establishes that connection. And kindness is a powerful force which can drive safety and all initiative forward. You know, we're all always looking for connection and control. Kindness is one of those things that lets us know we have that. If they're dealing with us with kindness, they respect us and that we know they care about us and that gives us control. Okay, let's look at the science of kindness just briefly. There's a company called Life Vest Inside. I would really recommend that you look at some of their videos on YouTube. They've really broke down a lot of great information on science. And I, I even love the name of their uh, business, you know, Life Vest Inside. And it's a nonprofit organization that's meant to just, you know, uh, boost kindness you know, globally. But the founder, uh, a lady got the idea from the Life Vest Inside, you know, in a uh, airplane. So it meant to keep you afloat. So it's our kindness that keeps us afloat in life. But let's look at the science real quick. You know, when you perform an act of kindness, your body, your, your um, mind releases serotonin, which relaxes you and gives you a feeling of, you know, happiness. You also release oxytocin, which is called the cuddle hormone, reduces blood pressure, immediate calming effect, promotes uh, social bonding, increases trust and generosity, virility. It's like, again, we're being rewarded for being social. Releases endorphins, which is our uh, reduces pain. It's our own natural morphine, which is legal. You know, generous people have two times the amount of DHEA, and it actually slows down aging. At this point in my life, I'm actually 64 years old, and I've been doing this for a long time, trying to live this way. And I mean, I think I have a lot of energy and a lot better health than uh, a lot of people I've met in their 50s. Studies have verified that people who are generous that really live with that mindset of acts of showing acts of kindness do live longer and slow down the aging process. So, I, you know, I hate to put a selfish spin on being kind to others, but it is truly one of the best things you can do for yourself. So what are th some things we can do right now to increase kindness? We can make part of our routine our days. Choose to do a random act of kindness every day. I have a... Uh, uh, sheet of paper that I kind of use to model the things that I need to do through the course of the day. So I write down my meetings and main tasks I need to get done. And on there is a reminder to do at least one act of kindness. So it's on my mind. Treat everyone with the same level of respect. Again, that's part of that connecting. Follow the change world formula. Dr. John Maxwell wrote a book out that came out a couple of years ago. Now his organization has tons of real world practice and application of transformation in lots of different countries and lots of different environments. And they came down with a three-step process for transformation. That's really learn and adopt good values, like we, we started the presentation talking about. So cultivate them in yourself, then value others and add value to others, and then work with others with those values to drive the transformation you want. Again, if we want to protect ourselves from giving into negative impulses, feelings and emotions, then we need those values. We need that momentum moving forward. Then model the behavior. Again, practice the golden rule. Choose to be available as much as being successful. We want to be successful, but we also need to be available. We, we want that connection. We want to be known as that person that cares. Use the three levels of safety. Again, we're risk takers. It's not going to change. So look out to protect people first emotionally, professionally, then physically. And be kind to yourself. Remember, when you're doing all this, it boomerangs back to you anyway. So we want to protect everyone. We want to protect ourselves. I love this quote from um, Albus Huxley. He was a philosopher and a writer who uh, wrote over 50 books. And I love, I love this quote again. 
It is a little embarrassing that after 45 years of research and study, the best advice I can give to people is to be a little kinder to each other. Again, I try to base a lot of my teachings for performance and safety and lean into different things I help promote on self-evident truths. And most people, when you're explaining this, you know, they just on their head. It, it makes sense. It is self-evident. You know, you know, it resonates with you when someone gives you their attention, when they're kind to you, when they show they care. And there's also something that, you know, 99% of success is from who you are, not what you know. So in other words, if you're a jerk, it's going to be a, a tough sell getting anyone to do anything anyway. If they don't trust the messenger, they're not going to trust the message. Again, we give kindness to show others we care about them. We can withhold kindness, but this sends the message that we don't care about others. We're indifferent. And I love that definition of evil that, you know, evil can be defined as the belief that one person has more value than another person. What makes us valuable is the fact that we're people. Now, someone might have more value in an organization based on what they can do. But again, that that's not really it. The thing is that we're all people. We're not functions. And we need to you know, recognize that. We need to show others that we care about them. So we adopt that kindness, you know, as a version, we show it. When others know that you care about them, then again, they know that you care about their safety and they can go all in. It's so important that we establish that connection and control. You know, that's uh, that inside strength has to be there before really, you know, you got that true buy-in, that loyalty and that trust. Okay, we're going to wrap things up here so we can have some time for discussion and, and, and questions. But I want to end it kind of like with this. There was once a man who was trying to read his morning paper and his little daughter kept kind of bugging him and he loved her. But, you know, he, he was just still trying to wake up, enjoy some coffee and, and read his paper. And he turned one page and he noticed that a full page layout of the world map. So he had an idea. He took the map and he tore it into little pieces. And he handed it to his daughter and goes, here's a puzzle for you. Go put the world back together. And he was proud of himself, sat back to read his paper. and thought, well, that ought to keep her busy for a while. And in a few minutes, way too little amount of time, he thought, here the little girl comes back, you know, smiling ear to ear, holding the map of the world all taped together. And he looked at her and he goes, how did you do this so quick? Did your mother help you? And she goes, no, on the other side was a picture of a man. I put the man together and it healed the world. Again, changing the world is a daunting task, but we can all be kind to the people that we are connected to on a daily basis. And as I said, it boomerangs back to us. There's something in us that, you know, if I see someone that's hurting, you know, I want to help them. If I see someone that's broken, I want to fix them. But if I see someone that I value, I want to serve them. Kindness. We should value everybody. We should see that we all want the same thing. We're all, remember that 80-20, 80% of the people are more, I truly believe, are good people that really want the same things. They want happiness. They want, you know, a, a chance to fulfill their own dreams in life. They're good people. And I love, you know, the, the differences that we all have also make life a lot more fun. It'd be kind of weird if we all had the same color and looked the exact same way. It'd be kind of a boring black and white world. So again, we need to learn to put people first. We got to learn to really adopt kindness in our life. That is the true connector. If someone doesn't think they care about you, then it goes to that, that world mindset of what an evil, you know, anxiety-filled type place we have. So what if? 
What if we went back to that mindset when you chimed into the chat of you had that environment where you felt totally you know, comfortable, you could let your hair down. You were in an individual that was protected. You could go all in with a relaxed, happy mindset where you didn't have to be right because you know people were looking out after you, after you. So what if? What if we could create a culture of caring like that? What if you could do that with kindness in your work environment? So that's pretty much it. Again, kindness is the driver for not only safety, but for performance, for connecting. It's not looking at the things that differentiate us, but the things that unite us. And we're all looking for control and connection. And that happens through kindness. What a great presentation, Brian. Really just thank you so much for being here with us on this. You know, I think we've been been hitting on this for the past year with our members as we talk about in our podcast and here, there's the basis of safety, right? There's policies we need to have. There's procedures we need to have. There's numbers we need to track those things that exist. But the most successful companies that I've run across in my consulting career, and I think you'd probably say the same thing are the companies that have a good safety culture and a good overall culture. And, and it starts with things like this, like kindness. And it starts with developing a good vision and mission statement of your organization and then living those values every day in the organization. Yeah, well said, Nick. Absolutely. Matt Miller uh, hopped in here and he said, that is all great, Brian, and so very true. Another Brian responded, loved it, tremendous information. Karen responded with, wow, awesome presentation. So we're getting a lot of good comments. Uh, but Mike Thompson wants to know, can we get kindness in a cream? Because he's starting to get wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, well said. I'm in my 40s now, Brian. So, you know, I'm going through some uh, chemical changes, biological changes. And uh, I didn't realize there was a, an anti-aging effect for kindness. So that is phenomenal. That's crazy. It's funny how we are wired, you know, to uh to to do these things. We're we're social beings. Like I said, this is grounded in, you know, Eastern and Western philosophy backs this up, all religions back it up, and really positive psychology is catching up and validating all these things. So again, I I hate to put a selfish spin on being kind, but another book I really highly recommend people read if you haven't is you know, how full is your bucket? which is another scientific approach to this, that, you know, the kinder we are to others, again, it always comes back on us. So Brian, I do want to talk about, I do want to mention before we get off here, something we talked about before we started the webinar today is I'm a Bridges Out of Poverty trainer. And one of the things they talk about is the success of children from different economic classes. And in those environments, how many negative versus positive reinforcements they have in regards to discipline. So in a lower income poverty household, there's two negative for every one positive reinforcement. And the middle class is opposite. It's two positive for every one negative. And the wealthy class, there's six positive for every one negative. What's crazy is there was an experiment done, I think uh, some research done in the 70s regarding marriages, almost to a T, the same exact ratio. And Harvard Business Review had an article out where they did the similar research on effective work teams. The most effective work teams were almost the exact same ratio, six positive to one negative reinforcement. The worst and least effective and least productive work teams had two negative for every one positive reinforcement. So how you communicate, it doesn't mean you can't be firm and you can't discipline, but how you communicate will affect how successful your kids are, 
how successful your work teams are, how successful your marriage is. It seems like this is just a human thing and it affects every aspect of life involving people. You bet. And I love that. Yeah. And I've, I've read those uh, studies and, and yeah, they fascinated me too. And I love that you mentioned, Mike, that the deal that, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, be tough and do the right things. That's a, that's a separate thing. You know, if I screw up and my boss comes to me, hey, you, you screwed up, you, you messed up the report or did whatever, you know, that, like I said, we all make mistakes. That's okay. And we don't, you know, we want people to, to shoot straight with us and to hold us accountable, but it's how they do it. <laughs> If we're doing it, it will, you know, with respect, you know, showing that, you know, they've got skin in it with us. Okay, let's work through this together. Totally different from that, you know, dominant, like you said, a full negative environment. Well, I think, Brian, one of the simplest things that we could do is we're sitting here today and we think about what can I do to change in my company today to have positive results in the long run is I'm a big fan of behavior-based safety, not the full program, because not many people have the time nor the money to put it in. But go out and just observe and then use those as coaching moments. Coaching moments doesn't mean I'm going to yell at you for doing something wrong. Let's just have a conversation. Hey, this was an unsafe act. Let's talk about it. Or you know what? I just saw you do something amazing. Let me give you a pat on the back because those simple words, it doesn't have to be a brand new, it doesn't have to be a bonus in your paycheck. It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't even have to be uh, you know, swag. It's just a kind word goes so far. And if you start doing those observations and catching the positive safety moments, and then coaching, not coming at them negatively, but coaching and, and having conversations about why it was unsafe. If you see that, I think you're going to change your environment drastically right there just with that simple action. Yeah. Uh, you remind me of something, Nick. Uh, when I'm teaching or working with groups, or uh, you know, I've done a lot of not just virtual, but you know, uh, training to, to groups when doing workshops and stuff. And I've always done this. In almost any group I've ever had that's work-related, I'll ask them, raise your hand. If you've ever received too much praise at work, if you've ever been too complimented, you know, received too much praise, raise your hand. I've never had a hand go up. <laughs> so like you said, people want to know that they're, they're noticed. That's that, you know, equip, support, and celebrate. You know, let, let people know that they're the stars. Direct labor are the ones making it happen in whatever environment. So, hey, man, we appreciate what you're doing. The mentality of the leader is going to transfer to the workers yeah. very quickly. And I was in a situation before where I was asked to try to help mold some leadership before I came to the state here. And we had a division that was just had really low morale. So we were looking on working on some leadership skills. And I tell this in a couple of our podcasts. And what happened was we had a situation where our guys had went home at the end of the day, got called back in because there was an emergency. They had to work all through the night. They worked a 24 hour period, left their families, worked really hard. That morning, I pulled the supervisors together and said, listen, here's your chance. Go out to the shop floor, sit down with your staff, figure out who needs to go home, who we can keep on for a little bit longer. But more importantly, just thank them for their hard work. And we had three supervisors sitting with me and two of them said, got it. The third one goes, Nick, their thank is the overtime paycheck they're getting and went back to his office. Which of those divisions do you think was struggling the most? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah, and you think if you were working for those three supervisors, which one would you want to work for? Anyone but but that guy. Right. Yeah. So and, and you know, and it's that guy. I think that's the tag term for it. We all know who that guy is in the organization. Yeah. So yeah, it just goes so far to have some positive reinforcement. And like I said, this really is self-evident truths. For most people, when I give these talks, it just resonates, it makes sense. That's the type of environment I want to work in. That's the type of leadership I want to have. Someone that cares about me and, you know, that has that aspect that I don't work for them. I work with them. 
and we're all working together, playing our role to accomplish a task. You know, the greatest things that someone in a leadership role can say are, what can I do? How can I help? Again, support, <laughs> equip and support. Right. Well, and here's the best part. What's the return on investment on this? Your investment is zero. It doesn't cost anything to be kind. Absolutely. <laughs> and it comes back to you. That's right. That's pretty good. Well, thank you again, Brian, so much for uh, being on here with us today. It was, as usual, you're just you're an amazing presenter, just a wealth of knowledge. Um, and, and we thank you for uh, supporting us here in Portage County with your presentation. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.